Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, here on the airwaves of WXAN Radio in Ava, Illinois. We are glad you're tuned in this morning. Here we are on this 17th day of, uh, actually, I think we're the 24th, I should say, the 24th, I'm a little behind, of uh, June. Already, we're going right through June so quick, I can't keep up with it, folks. How have you all been? We hope everything is well. You're walking closer to Jesus, loving Jesus with a greater love and focused on Him every day. That's our prayer for you, and we're just honored you'd tune in. If you're listening on WXAN Radio, then you're at 103.9 FM, unless you're listening to us via the Internet. And if you want to find us on the Internet, text your friends, let them know. Across the country, we're at WXANradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on Listen Live, and you'll be tuned into our local broadcasting, okay? But I am David Pinkerton, glad that you're tuned in today, and we want to share with you uh, some teaching from the Word of God again. The last few weeks, you've heard me preach salvation messages, which I told you I was going to, and I'm still going to share one again today, and I want you to listen closely. If you have the ability to record this message, I would encourage you to do it. If you want to listen to it, I believe if you contact Will here at WXAN Radio, he could find it for you and archive it and send you the link to it. But I want you, if you have lost loved ones, people in your family, you're not sure whether they're Christians or not, uh, then I want you to get this message for them. Not because it's me sharing it. God put these in my hands. It's God's Word, and we want to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in its simplicity and let a person listen to it so they can know how to be saved and be given the opportunity to trust Jesus Christ by faith as Savior. That's our ministry here is to evangelize the lost and edify the saints. And we're thankful for the platform that God has given us here at WXAN Radio. And thank you again to Brother Danny and Leanne and Will and Melody and the good folks here. So open your Bibles today. Grab your Bible, open it up. I want you to go to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, and verse number 15. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, and verse number 15. I want to speak to you this morning, another salvation message, but it's just entitled, Salvation, Plain and Simple. Salvation, Plain and Simple. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. By way of introduction, salvation is the most important thing in the world, both now and hereafter. If you're not saved, folks, nothing else really matters. Think about this. An old man and a little boy were out together for a boat ride. They rode across the lake, and a beautiful leaf came floating by as they were floating close to the shores of the other side. <clears throat> Taking the leaf in his hand, the old man asked the young man, Son, do you know anything about botany? No, sir, replied the boy. Why, said the old man, you've missed 25% of your life. After a while, the boat passed some beautiful rocks along the shore. Look at those beautiful stones, said the old man. 
Do you know anything about geology, son? No, sir, I'm afraid not, the boy replied. Then you've missed 25% of your life, he said. In the early evening stars, they appeared in the sky. Looking up at the stars, the old man asked the boy again, Son, do you know anything about astronomy? No, sir, replied the boy. I know nothing about astronomy. Well, said the old man, you've missed 25% of your life. Now, it came time for the fellows to go home, and when they turned the boat around for the shore, it flipped over, and they fell out of the boat. The young boy started swimming toward the shore. Looking back, noticing the old man was splashing in the water and wasn't able to swim, the young man looked at the older man and he said, Mister, do you know how to swim? And the man screamed, No. The boy replied, Then you have lost your life. Now, folks, I know if you know everything else in life, but you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, you have lost your life and eternity. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 36, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I think many people are in hell today because they do not know how to be saved. In many cases, I think they probably wanted to be. The Bible seems to indicate that in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22 and 23. Listen closely. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These people wanted to go to heaven and offered to God their good works as a claim for heaven, but according to Jesus, they were not saved. He said, Depart from me you that work iniquity. In the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, all ten thought they were ready to meet the bridegroom, and all ten went out to meet him. But when the bridegroom came, five of them found out they were not ready. Folks, it is possible to be saved and to know beyond a doubt that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And the way of salvation is plain, and it is simple. It's not God that distorts it, clouds it, or confuses it. It's mankind and the devil. So listen closely this morning. Number one, in the matter of salvation, we're dealing with an infinitely holy God. There can be no understanding or appreciation of the plan of salvation without understanding this. This infinitely holy God has said that sin must be paid for. He said to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, the Bible tells us, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, or rather chapter 6 and verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. And we read in James chapter 1 and verse 15, Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, folks, God Almighty has declared that sin must be paid for, and the death, or rather that payment, is death. This death is more than dying with a gunshot wound or cancer. It is described in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 as the second death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death. Folks, if I had to pay what I owe as a sinner, then I must die, go into hell, and stay there forever and ever. That's the price that God demands for sins. The Bible does not say the wages of sin is joining the church. You can join every church in town. It would not pay what we owe as a sinner. The Bible does not say the wages of sin is being baptized. I could be baptized until every tadpole in the creek knew my social security number by memory. But that would not pay my sin debt. The Bible does not say the wages of sin is turning over a new leaf. Reforming would not pay what I owe as a sinner. The Bible does not say the wages of sin is performing good works. By working a thousand lifetimes, I, could, I still could never earn heaven. If I offered to God my works as a hope of heaven, the motive behind the works would render the works ineffective. There's only one motive that God accepts, and that is love. We read in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity or love, it profited me nothing. Good works that are not motivated by love will not be rewarded. So if I worked in order to go to heaven, the motive for my works or my service would be fear. I would be working to stay out of hell, and the fear of hell would be my motive, and thus rendering the works that I gave ineffective. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God has one payment for sin, and that is eternal death in the lake of fire. The only thing I can do to pay my sin debt is die, go to hell, and stay there forever. And that's your, your explanation as well, friend. Now consider secondly, this infinitely holy God says all men are sinners. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Again in Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. Now verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short simply means that we miss the mark. How far we miss the mark is not the important thing, but the fact that we have missed it. When I went to high school, one had to, had to make a 70 on a test to pass. And if they averaged anything less, they had to repeat the grade. Suppose one student averaged 65 and another 35. There's a 30-point difference between the grade averages, yet both of them are in the same predicament. Both are below the passing mark. You see, when God looks down from on the world, mankind, He says in the words of Romans 3.22, for there is no difference. Lord, what do you mean no difference? Well, some folks live better than others, some would say, and we would agree with that. He's saying there's no difference. God says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Suppose I hang a target on the wall and we ask each person in your room, take a dart and do their best to hit the bullseye. Now everybody in the room throws a dart. Some miss the bullseye by a quarter of an inch. Others miss the bullseye by a foot. Still others miss the whole target. No one hits the bullseye. When all the darts are thrown, we say, hey, there's no difference. Someone says, what do you mean no difference? I only missed the bullseye by a quarter of an inch. 
And we could say, yeah, there's no difference because all of you missed the bullseye, regardless of how far it may have been. In God's sight, and this is what we're wanting to understand, and I want you to understand, listener, in God's sight, there's no difference between sinners. We may not commit the same sins, but all men are sinners, and God says all sin must be paid for. Thirdly, the infinitely holy God says that we are already condemned. The Bible says in John 3 and verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Some people have an idea that we're going to die and then go to judgment. At that judgment, God's going to weigh my good works against my bad works. Now, that's what the world thinks. That's what most human beings really think. If the good outweighs the bad, then surely God will allow us into heaven. But if the bad outweighs the good, then he'll condemn us to hell. That's what the philosophy of an unregenerate man says. That's what humanism thinks. Listen closely. That's not the teaching that's not the teaching of the Bible, friend, and we want to get our teaching from the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. We're already condemned, the Bible teaches in John 3:18. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The condemned criminal is the one who has been arrested, tried, found guilty, and sentenced to die in the electric chair. He's already condemned and is on death row awaiting the date of execution. Now, according to what God has said, we as human beings are sinners. Our sins demand a payment, and that payment is death. That's the second death in the lake of fire. That's not a sentence that is going to be given to us after judgment. We're already under that sentence right now if you're not trusting Christ as your Savior. Folks, if you're not saved, you're not sure you're going to heaven. You're one heartbeat from stepping out into the lake of fire. You're already condemned. You're not waiting for it to happen. You're already condemned without Jesus. The person who is not trusting Jesus Christ completely for their salvation is already condemned. They are living under the sentence, and the moment the heart stops beating, the soul and the spirit leave the body and go immediately to hell. The rich man in Luke chapter 16 and verse 22 and 23 also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. God says all men are sinners. We say sin must be paid for. And God says we're already condemned. So number four, as we talk about salvation biblically, plain and simple, number four, how can an infinitely holy God forgive sin? The answer is God does not forgive sins because sin must be paid for. Somebody must bear the burden. I've been told that the word forgive literally means to bear the burden. If I owe someone $1,000 and I'm not able to pay, and I ask them, would you forgive the debt? And the man, and the man con- consented and said, yeah, I'll forgive your debt. That means that he bore the burden of my debt. In order for an infinitely holy God to forgive sinners, someone had to pay the debt. Someone had to bear the burden. Praise God. This is where Jesus comes in, folks. God took every sin that we've all ever committed or will ever commit and laid those sins on Jesus 2,000 plus years ago at Mount Calvary. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. The Lord hath laid on him. That's Jesus. 
the iniquity of us all. Notice that, all of us. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. We read also in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, that he might bring us to God. You see, the greatest truth that will ever course through your mind, listener, is the truth of the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ actually took all of our sins, yours, mine, and the whole world, past, present, and future sins, and bore them in his own body. Friend, God Almighty looked down through the telescope of time and saw every sin that you would ever commit, put those sins in one big package, and laid them on Christ. Get that. He didn't lay them on the church, the baptistry, or anything else. The Lord hath laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity or the sins of us all. While Jesus was bearing our sins in his body, God punished him in our place to pay the sin debt that we, each of us, all, all of us owe, so that when we die, we don't have to pay for our sins. Someone said, the Jews killed Christ. Another says, it was the Roman soldiers. But the Bible teaches us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God let Jesus die in our place. He actually punished Jesus in our place so we could escape the punishment. Don't you see that? Romans 8.32 declares, he that, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Get that. Jesus uttered seven things while he was hanging on the cross. The sixth utterance, it is finished. Another, among other things he uttered, but the statement meant that the sins of the world had been entirely paid for by his own blood and his sacrificial death when he died on the cross. It is finished, Jesus said. That means the plan of salvation needs nothing added to it. You don't need to accept G or trust Jesus by faith as your Savior, plus be baptized. You don't have to trust Jesus by Savior, plus join the church. You don't have to trust Jesus Christ by faith as Savior, and turn over a new leaf. The Bible teaches, Bible, the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Him holy and Him alone. That's why you'll hear Pastor David say, have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? Jesus paid it all. Number five, salvation, plain and simple. How can we be sure that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for our sins? Well, we can answer that in three words. An empty tomb. When the prisoner was set free, that meant that their debt to society had been paid. So when God Almighty raised His Son Jesus from the dead, He was saying to the whole world, I'm satisfied with the payment my Son made for your sins. You see, in per certain parts of the world, they tell me, a merchant selling his or her goods simply displays them on a counter or a table without a price tag attached. When someone comes along wishing to buy an item, they lay down some money. The merchant looks at it, 
And if they're not satisfied with the payment of the money, they leave money laying on the table. Then the person wishing to buy the item adds more to the money. And if the merchant is still not satisfied with the price offered, they again leave the money on the table. And when enough money has been put down to satisfy the merchant, then the merchant reaches down and takes the money. In other words, the merchant is saying, in essence, I am satisfied with the payment. When God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and took him to heaven, he said to the whole world, I am satisfied with the payment my son made for your sins. And that's what what Isaiah 53 and verse 10 is telling us, folks. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's Jesus. The expression does not mean that God got certain joy or glee out of seeing Jesus die on the cross. The word pleased literally means satisfied. He shall see the travail of his son and shall be satisfied. Isaiah 53 and verse 11. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross fully satisfied the just and holy demands of a holy God. Now we must accept that that satisfaction by accepting Jesus Christ or trusting him and him completely, what he did for us, his sacrificial death and shed blood on the cross, his burial and resurrection for our sins. That's what it means, folks. We must accept Jesus, and so doing that, or putting our faith in Christ, or trust in Christ as our personal Savior, wholly and completely, we are telling God that we will accept the payment that his Son made for our sins, and that Jesus has paid for our sin debt. Not the church, not the radio station, not the pope, not the preacher, not your parents, but Jesus paid your sin debt. It's not the death of Jesus Christ on the cross plus my baptism that saves. It's Jesus alone. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If we are trusting Christ plus baptism, then we're telling God we're not really satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for our sins, and we feel like we need to add something else to that. But to show that we're fully satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for our own sins, we must cease to trust anything else other than Jesus Christ and Him alone by faith to be your personal Savior. I must cease to trust my good works, no matter how good they may be. I must cease to trust my church membership, no matter how good my church may be. I must cease to trust my baptism, no matter how beautiful the ordinance of baptism is. I must cease to trust my good life, no matter how pure and noble it may be. To trust anything other than what Jesus did for us at Mount Calvary on the cross for our own personal salvation is to say to God, I am not fully satisfied with the payment your son made for my sins, and I feel that I must add something else. So in order to show God that we're completely satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for our sins, completely, the Bible says in John 3 and verse number 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. To believe on Jesus means you will wholly, completely trust Him as your Savior. And what he did for you in your place, when he died in your place on the cross, shed his blood to atone for your soul, 
When you trust Him by faith as Savior, you're telling God, who put His Son on the cross, that you're accepting Jesus as your payment, as the payment for your sin. That's what it means to believe on Jesus. That means to trust Him as your Savior. Now, dear friend, there's not any promise in the Bible to anyone who partially believes on Christ. The promise is to those who believe on Christ. If I trust Jesus Christ 90% and something else 10%, the 10% destroys the 90%. The 10% says, I'm not fully trusting Christ. And the Bible says in John 3 and verse 18, He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The rest of John 3.36, folks, tells us, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Dear friend, have you let God know that you're satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for your sins by trusting Jesus wholly and completely for your salvation? If you would like to do that, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith so you can know Christ as your Savior. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved or will be saved. So recognize, as we've seen today scripturally, you're a sinner. You cannot save yourself. Recognize scripturally that we've seen that God sent Jesus to pay for the sin debt of each and every one of us and all human beings, and nothing else can atone for you. Jesus already did it. And that Christ did die sacrificially, shedding his blood in your place, as the Bible teaches. And then he was buried, and the proof is of acceptance by the Holy God that Jesus was raised again. Now, if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus, your trust in Him and Him alone to be your Savior, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. So from the sincerity of your heart, pray with me. God is listening. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my personal Savior. Now, folks, if you've done that, the Bible teaches that you've been brought to life spiritually. I have some information that I'll send you free of charge if you'll email me. And my email address is this, drdave13 at gmail.com. That's D-R-D-A-V-E-1-3 at gmail.com. And I'll get that literature in the mail to you. Folks, we've seen that salvation, plain and simple, is simple and plain right from the Bible. So preachers, learn how to preach the gospel biblically, plainly, and authentically from the scriptures so people can understand. And folks, tune in again next week to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, here on the airwaves of WXAN Radio out of Ava, Illinois, 103.9 FM or WXANradio.com. Until then, keep looking up. Jesus is on the throne. Christian, hand out a gospel tract this week. Tell someone how to be saved and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Good tidings, everyone. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Oh, yes. 